Thank you, Leon. Uh, I want to say it is a privilege for us to be here and to be with Leon. Leon's been a, a good friend over the years. He's been to Albania many times, and many times when I needed to talk to somebody, I'd bring him up on Skype, and we would talk, and, and I appreciate your friendship, and it's good to be here. Even though I haven't uh, spoken in your church before, uh, as a full church, many of you have been down to Albania, and we want to thank you. And I, but I found out that a lot of people still don't know about Albania, and I want to share with you. But I want to pray for you first. As I was sitting there, I just felt that there's somebody here that's not feeling too well. And you think, oh, it's just hot, and you know, but it's it's not just that. And if if someone needs prayer, I'm going to pr- when I pray, just put your hand uh, on your chest and we'll believe God will heal you right now. Father, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and nothing is too difficult for you. We thank you that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by your spirit. And I pray for any that are here and the specific ones you've shared. Father, I pray that you would touch their bodies. I pray that health would flow. I pray that the spirit of God that lives within them as Christians would flow through them and that they would be healed in the name of Jesus. I pray now as we speak about Albania that you'll challenge our hearts and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a little history of Albania and of our work and then tell you some of the things that we're doing now. Um, For a few years, Albania was in the news quite a bit because of our uh, civil war in 1997, which I never thought I'd ever go through. And then the Kosovo crisis in 99, which I'll mention in a moment. But I think a lot of people are like me. When I first heard about Albania, they said, you should go to Albania. And I said, where's that? (laughs) I didn't even know about it. But it's that little red blob uh, on the uh, map there on the next map. You'll see it's across the Adriatic Sea from the the heel of Italy. It's bordered on the south by Greece. And to the north, we have the former Yugoslavia, Kosovo, Serbia, Bosnia, Croatia, Montenegro, and on the east, Macedonia. For over 40 years, they were under the control of a godless dictator, not like any of the other communist bloc countries. We've had people come from other uh, countries and tell us that they never had it as bad during their communist rule as it was in Albania, even when they were there. This man was so afraid of losing power that he killed or put to hard labor any who had an education or didn't agree with his philosophy. And he kept the uneducated and those from the villages <coughs> excuse me, in power beside him. You could be thrown in jail for the least little thing, like having an extra chicken in your possession. I met one man who, because he had a university education from another country, was forced to push a cart with vegetables like an animal for 40 years. I can't even begin to explain to you the conditions that these people had to live under. And even if I had the time, you'd find it hard to believe. But his idea was to keep them poor, hungry, and living in fear, and then he could control them. Many of these people have been deformed as they were beaten for their belief or some other reason. And for years, they were considered the the poorest country in Europe. It's now the fourth poorest uh, in Europe. 
Albania is known as the first atheistic uh, nation. As one day he announced that he had killed God and no religion was allowed to be practiced and he set himself up as the one to be revered. He was a wicked man. He died in 1985 and then the Communist Party took over. Then during 1990-91, the people finally overthrew the government. And while doing it, they destroyed their nation. Because they had spurted out from under the control of this suppressive dictator, they were not able to handle their newfound freedom. They cast off restraint and the keeping of the law was not even considered by most to be important. I always struggle with how to get across the hopelessness of the majority of the people there and how the situation really is. But let me say that in spite of all this, God is moving and God is working in people's lives. In Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 37 and 38, it says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There is a promise in these verses that we often talk about, but sometimes I wonder if we really believe it. Since I first went to Albania in 1985, we have seen this promise fulfilled in our work. And God has showed me afresh that his word is true. And if we apply the principles in it, we're going to be much better off. The last part of the verse says that we need to give. And as soon as we hear the word give, I've been brought up in a preacher's home and uh, been in, around a while, and so I know that when we hear that word give, we kind of slide down in our seats and say, oh no, another missionary, uh, let's tune him out, as most of the times we're th thinking about finances. But I believe that this verse means much more than just finances. Eugene Peterson says in the message this way, give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back. <coughs> Excuse me. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Excuse me. It is better to give than to receive. But it is talking much more than just finances. It's talking about our whole way of life. Our time. Our talents, our abilities, our finances, but our whole way of life, our whole being. Let me show you how this principle has worked in our ministry and how you have had a part in that as well. In September 1996, we started our church in Duras. At our first service in a little bar, we had just over 70. And we had to move in just over two months because of the growth. Our second church was in a pool hall. And it was in this place that we continued having services during the Civil War when there were curfews and constant gunfire all around. We had to move from there to our third building in just over a year because we were having too many disruptions from the neighborhood kids. I remember standing outside the church and I felt something right here and here someone had hit, shot me with a, a BB gun and got me right there, one of the kids. You see, even though we were so close to the police station, during the uh, Civil War, the police took off their uniforms and went home and hid. 
When we moved to our third building, we continued to grow to about 140, 170. So we had to have three services each Sunday. Then, as I mentioned, we had the situation with Kosovo and refugees flooding our city. Because of the giving of our friends and supporters, and because many gave of themselves and came over to help, and because we were prepared, we bought a bakery and that God had led us to, and we were able to give a half a loaf of bread per day to the Kosovo people. Then others heard about what we were doing and began sending us containers and other humanitarian goods, which we were able to give to these people who had been displaced because of the war in their homeland. At the height of the crisis, we were given 1,100 loaves of bread a day and enough bags of groceries and other essentials each week to feed and clothe and look after the basic needs of over 2,000 people. Not only were we able to give of these things, which were given to us, but we gave of ourselves. I can't begin to explain how everyone who came over, our staff, <coughs> our other volunteers, and our own poor people gave of themselves day after day, week after week, and month after month. But it was at that time that God began to move. Many have asked why we saw great things happen in our midst, but I believe mainly it is because God was giving back to us a portion of what we were able to give to others. People like you gave to us, we gave to others, and God started moving. I believe we were given with good measure. It was pressed down and running over and shaken together. God just began to pour his blessings in ways beyond our thinking. For instance, we were given a new bakery so we could double the output of our bread. And we sent our old bakery up to Kosovo uh, at, to a man who was working for us. And he began to make bread to those living in his village. It was in this village that they found mass graves of some of their men and boys, which helped prove to the skeptics that the stories that were told are true. For years, this bakery helped feed 200 of these widows and their children who had nothing and lost everything. During this time, even though we were busy and we didn't have the time to do all the outreaches that we had planned for that year, we did try and plan a small time each day for some form of outreach. On one of those days, we had what we called our prayer walk. We would meet at the church for instruction and prayer and then go out two by two and walk around the neighborhood of the church and pray. We would pray for the people we met on the streets. We would pray for uh, the apartments, the, the people who lived in the apartments that we walked by. And we continued to pray on a daily basis for the families of the children who were coming to the church and for the Kosovo people we were ministering to in a practical way. And the results were amazing. Now, remember at the start of the Kosovo situation, I mentioned that we were running between 140 and 170 in three services. That was because we had a church that was about 10 feet wide by 20 feet, 25 feet long. And you could comfortably sit 50, 55 people there. And out of the blue, you would think our attendance just started to grow. We went to 200, 250, 300. We went to a high of just over 500 people. And remember, that was in that little church. And to say the least, we were packed out. Uh, people were standing everywhere. Uh, there were times when I'd finish welcoming people at the back of the church. I'd turn around to go in, and I couldn't get in. And so uh, I would talk from the back, and Valbona would translate at the front. One Sunday, one of the girls 
uh, just about fainted, but it didn't really matter. There was no place for her to fall. Uh, and so uh, we, we had a, a packed outhouse for sure. Uh, people were standing everywhere. So to make a long story short, after making a deal with the owner of the warehouse that we were using during the Kosovo situation, we finally were able to move into our fourth church building in December of 99. We still had to have three services because we had over 500 people regularly coming. This is the building that God miraculously provided for us in 2000. I, I wish I could tell you stories about everything that I'm talking about. There's so much behind it. But God provided this building for us. And the next year, because of our partnership with James Robison and Life Outreach International, we were able to finish the building. And we were able to expand the seating capacity to over 200. But we still had to have three services because when we finished the building, we took another jump from 500 to 750. Then we went in our main church to nine services, three services, three different times on three different floors. Uh, and in October 2002, we took 100 from our church and started a new church in our city. At the same time, we started a church in the village with about 60 people. Then in 2003, we took another jump and started running about 1,000 people, just over 1,000. Then in the fall of 2004, we were able to start our fourth church. However, for a three-year period afterwards, even though great things happened, we went through some rough times, which affected the attendance of our church. We lost hundreds of people for various reasons, but one of the main ones was because of the suicides of a few of the Jehovah's Witness young people. They left notes saying they were going to go to God or God was going to bring them back to life. And this started a frenzy of fear that affected all the churches. You see, at that time in Albania, they had the Muslims, which was 70%. They had the Orthodox, about 20%. Roman Catholics, 10%, and the rest of us were considered cults. So they put us all in the same boat. And uh, our attendance went down. We had to close two of our churches because of the news media and the frenzy that was going on. The Muslim Hoja in the village where we had one church and the Catholic priests in an area where many of our people were coming from took advantage of this media frenzy and the fear that the people had and caused many problems for us, threatening us, uh, trying to run us off the road, hitting our people with hammers. Uh, so we gave our fourth church away to uh, another group because we weren't there to build our kingdom. We we're there to build the kingdom of God. But our attendance uh, finally dropped to about 100 people from over 1,000. So we brought everybody back into uh, the main church and we started again. But I praise God that since then we have seen many things turn around for the glory of God. And our people have become more solid and have started to hunger and thirst more for God and our attendance has started to climb. We planted a, another church in an area called Spital. Many of you have been there. And we started it in a widow's home. And it uh, started growing. We had to move two times. These pictures on the screen now were taken the last Sunday before I left. We were back running up about 225 in the two churches. 
I can say that there are thousands of people that I know of that have come at least once to our church that wouldn't have heard the gospel. Many wouldn't have been saved and now be on the road to heaven if it wasn't for those like you who have stood behind us over the years. It's the support of individuals and churches like this church who have helped us raise our own finances so that we could go to Albania, work for God, and share with these needy people that God loves them and has sent his only son to pay for their sins. You know, it's thrilling to see some of these former Muslims and atheists who have accepted Jesus Christ change their practices and allow the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to wash away their sins and give them a reason to live and follow the Lord in baptism. They found out that just a few weeks ago they had Ramadan or Ramazan, uh, wherever, whatever you say from wherever part of the country you live in, but they were sacrificing animals so that their sins could be forgiven for the coming year. They don't have to do that anymore because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Today you can have uh, the opportunity to share and become a part of the great things that God is doing in our church in, in Albania. And so you know how you can become a part. Let me go through some of the different ministries we have and then the ways you can help. Before I do that, though, our, our world is changing so much. And if we're going to reach our world for Jesus Christ, we have to listen to God's voice. And we have to start reaching out to people in different ways than we have ever done it before. The mandate of the church is to make disciples of all nations. Not just where it's comfortable, not just where it's easy, but in all the world. So if the church is God's instrument to extend the kingdom of God, and it is, then we have to hear what God is saying and not depend on our old methods of reaching our world for Jesus. Because I believe that it is God's will, and he wants his church to grow. Now let me briefly tell you about some of the things we're doing. I, I'm not going to go into much detail or into all of them, because there's just too many. But we do have these little booklets on the tables around the back that you can pick one up, and it'll give you some of the other ministries that I won't mention in some more detail about them. First of all, as I'm sure you realize, the biggest need we have in our uh, ministry in Albania is we need people to pray for us and the ministry there. Nothing is accomplished in the kingdom of God that's going to last for eternity without prayer. And it's the prayer of fellow Christians like you who move the hand of God so great things can be accomplished for him. Over the years, we've had many things. I've had guns held to my head. We've been threatened many times. But as you know, uh, we had to leave Albania, uh, my wife and children, four and a half years ago because of threats on their lives. And many of you have prayed for us, and I want to say thank you. These last few years have been rough in many ways, but the prayers of God's people have held us and enabled us to accomplish great things for God and make it through. Even though we can't go back to live there, I go back periodically as we oversee the work from Canada so that we, and so we ask you to continue to pray for our family, for the health and safety of all our missionaries and workers, including our children. Their pictures are up on the screen. Um, and we live under constant attack from the enemy of our souls, trying to discourage us and make us give up. 
some of these pictures. I, I wish I could go into detail again and share with you, but most of those were kids when we got there. And they're grow, they've grown up. They've accepted Jesus Christ, and now they're leading the church, and they're leading the ministries there. We're asking everybody to pray. We need prayer. For you from England who don't recognize the animals there, those are moose. I don't know how they got them to kneel, but I, you know, we're just getting everybody to pray. So, <laughs> Secondly, we can always use more help. We're thankful for those who have come and helped, and you that have come down, we appreciate it so much. But we're still in desperate need of more help. We need someone to go over and mentor and give direction to the leadership team that is now in place. We need mechanics, and uh, the list is just a partial list that you see there. So you can see that our need for workers is great. Uh, you see, we're not told in Scripture to pray for the harvest. We are, pray we are told to pray for workers for the harvest. So we need prayer. Sometimes I've felt like this next picture. The weight of the load we're carrying is so great and our feet are off the ground waiting for others to come and help us. Thirdly, we've seen how important it is for people to give faithfully and on a regular monthly basis. I know many people like to support projects and as I have said many times, we have, I have around 30 projects worth about $50 million uh, that we could do right now if we had the finances. If any of you want to see that list, come and talk to me. But in order for these projects to be done, we need to look after the regular ministry needs that come in monthly. Our global ministry changes group is growing. We're looking for a thousand people who will say, I will pray for you daily and give the equivalent of a minimum of $10 a month for our general ministry so we can meet our monthly needs. Let me just highlight some of our humanitarian projects, which comes under an area called Operation Mercy. We believe that God has called us to show forth his mercy to the world. That means I can't just stand up here and preach Sunday after Sunday. I need to minister to people's total need, their body, soul, and spirit. And so as we do that, we are able to show God's love and mercy to them in very practical way. One of the first things that we have is our feeding program, where we feed 150 poor children and widows, sometimes at the church, sometimes we give them a monthly food bag if they live too far away. And this continues only because of the many faithful sponsors who give so that we can feed these people. Uh, Simon said they went to Spartak's home. When he was just a little boy, his grandmother came to me and says, I'm going to die soon. Would you please look after Spartak for me? And so I said, yes, we'll look after him. We didn't, she didn't die right then, but uh, he, he's grown up now. We found out a number of years ago he's got cancer. The family didn't want me to tell him. And he's still alive, and because of his condition, we still bring him, even though he's so old, uh, that we bring him to the church on a daily basis so that he can eat. We're there to minister and show God's love in practical areas. We have two orphan programs where we have around 35 orphans sponsored. One is for regular orphans and one is for orphans of police who have been killed in action. In a 10-year period, we had over 200 police killed 
in 10 years. And so we took it upon ourselves to look after their children. Uh, the medical, dental, and clothes. We uh, buy the 200-plus children and widows in the programs clothes. We take them to the doctor and dentist on a regular basis. We look after their emergency needs as we come up. And all these things help us to show God's mercy to those we're ministering to. As funds allow, we give those who are poor and have been faithful in their attendance food bags, uh, which helps them greatly as the, the price of food increases. Poor and needy is an area in which we started to emphasize the last number of years because there are so many that don't fit into our other programs but are in real need, and so we help them. One of the groups that we've been able to continue to help is women and children who have been abused by their husbands and fathers. And this is becoming more and more of an issue as the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But some of the other areas that we work in are our trafficking home. This ministry provides a home for women and children who are in danger, who have been involved in trafficking, either for prostitution or body parts. We've had little kids from our neighborhood disappear for a few days, come back, and they see that they've been operated on and organs have been taken out. Uh, I said in the first service, one of the girls from th that was coming to the church, her mother and father were going to sell her because they couldn't afford to look after her uh, for prostitution, likely in another country. Uh, and so I went and talked to them and said, please don't sell her. Well, we can't afford to keep her. I said, let us look after her. So we fed her and we clothed her. We were able to save another child like this. We are in need of resources to operate this safe house for these girls and women and to produce literature so that we can prevent more from being trafficked. Our autistic center is a, another ministry that came out of a need that we have. And again, I don't have time to go into it all w for you this morning, but uh, we've opened this and we have uh, five children uh, in our center. We have people that look after them. We could have more if we had the possibility of more staff. They can't afford the government charges so much, and so we let them come in. Well, the next picture is of a little boy from our church who is autistic. His father uh, left the family. They live in that little shack. I think some of you have been to that place and visited them, Nestian and his family. But he's growing up. He's 17 years old now, and he's, uh, he's just too big for our center. The girls can't look after him. So pray for families like that and other autistic children. We want them to see uh, the love of Jesus. And we're looking for partners to join together with us to help provide all that is necessary for these ministries to flourish. The list of things we would like to do and the needs that we have could go on and on. There is so much to be done and we can make a difference. Now besides our Operation Mercy and our regular church activities, uh, we have other ministries that we're involved in. First is our children's Bible school. Uh, this is like a nursery daycare for children three to six. And it's been a very successful ministry reaching into many Muslim and atheistic families. We just had our graduation in June with 31 children leaving us and going into the public school. Many of these children 
each year have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. One of the little boys came to his teacher and said, Teacher, what you're telling me, all these things you're telling me about Jesus, are they really true? And the teacher said yes and went to explain to him that Jesus loves him and cares for him. I guess he had been talking to his atheistic family at home. But uh, a few weeks later, he came back and he says, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. See, that's what it's all about. Seeing lives transformed by the power of God. We've had so many requests because the government uh, puts us uh, at the top of the list for anybody wanting to send their kids because of uh, the rec- the high standards we have. So we just opened up uh, a number, well, I guess it was a year ago now, our fourth uh, children's Bible school. We now have 120 children hearing the word of God on a daily basis. Another ministry we've started is with the seniors. We're using this to minister to the seniors in our church who've been left aside and in the neighborhood by their families so that uh, we can show them love. We bring them together. We give them a meal. We play some games with them, have a little service with them. Uh, Within the last year, uh, over 20 have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's so much I could say, but one thing I... If you notice, there's not too many men in all these pictures. We need a revival amongst the men. Uh, Elbin, one of the fellows in the church, has started a men's ministry. And a couple months ago, you want to just turn the slide, please? Uh, A couple months ago, they had a service with some of the men. And there's some of them. Most of those guys are not Christians. You need to pray for them, that God will speak to their hearts. We have been ministering in Albania for 22 years now. We have seen, you want to turn it, please? We have seen uh, children grow up. We've seen them, their lives transformed by the Spirit of God. We've ministered to them with the best of our ability. Many have been saved and now following God, and we've made a, a difference in their lives. But we have a new generation that is emerging. We have uh, more children coming. And 10 years, 20 years from now, I would like to be able to say that we made a difference in these children's lives. Little children from all areas are coming into our sphere of influence. And we want them to be discipled. We want them to be trained. We want them to take over the work that God has started and become leaders and missionaries and workers for God. Vital parts of society and make a positive influence in the various areas of life in Albania because of Jesus in their lives. What kind of difference are you going to make? You've made such a difference in countries like Bulgaria and Albania and, and other parts of the world. But you personally, what kind of difference are you going to make in people's lives and in the kingdom of God? I know not all of us can go overseas, but we can all use what God has given us to change the lives of people around the world. All of us can pray. All of us can give of our lives. There are enough people here today to supply the funds and the manpower to make an impact upon this small nation of Albania. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Would you pray for the work in Albania? Would you please give of your life for those Albanian people living in Albania, Kosovo, Turkey, and other countries? Most of the world doesn't like them. They need to be reached for Jesus. We need to show them God's love. God is looking for people who will give of their life, their time, 
their talents and their abilities and yes, their finances so that his work can go forward. Through the giving of God's people, I believe the impossible can be done. I've seen it over and over. Everybody says, David, it's impossible what you're asking, but I know it can be done. We can do it together. If you're interested in financially supporting what God is doing, uh, Leon will be coming up in a few minutes and tell you how there's also these pink sheets over here that you can take and fill out if you'd like to be on our mailing list so that you can pray more effectively. Here we have a ministry where you can invest your resources and you can have a part in feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, ministering to strangers, the sick and those in prison, and clothing those who are in need. Will you please help us? We need your help. Will you pray? We need your prayer. Will you give? We need people who will give so these people can experience the glory of God. Will you come and help us? Many of you have already come and we thank you. But there's so much work to be done. And it would make it better and easier if we had some more help, some more people to come and help. Thank you for letting me share with you. God bless you. And if you have any questions after, we'll be happy to answer them.